Welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations. On Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministry to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors to reach men in today's culture. Discussing issues men face every day. It is a program where a men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. I am your host, Mike Salen, and I thank you for joining us on this particular episode. This past weekend, I was serving as one of the uh, Master of Ceremonies at a men's conference, and the two keynote speakers, uh, and each speaker posed a, a question to the men that should te- make men uh, sit back and think. First question is, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And the second was, what if? Challenging men to understand God still had a plan for their life because you are still on this planet. And how are you going to be remembered if this is your last day of your life? These questions were asked of these men after dealing with key issues they face in their lives. And today we'll speak with someone who has a ministry that speaks towards resiliency and has a written a trilogy of books known as Resilient Trilogy. My guest today is retired Major General Robert Dees. And let me share a little bit about uh, General Dees before we really uh, welcome him onto the uh, program. Following a military retirement of 31 years in the Army, General Dees was an executive with Microsoft Corporation, led a veteran outreach nonprofit, and served as the vice president for military outreach for Liberty University. He authored the Resilience Trilogy, Resilient Warriors, Resilient Leaders, and Resilient Nations, and pioneered resilience programs for the military by establishing the Institute for Military Resilience at Liberty University. He is also the author of the Resilience God Style series with books, study guide, video series, and training games. I'm sure we'll talk about some of these during during today's episode. And in 2016, presidential cycle, uh, General D served as the National Security Advisor and Campaign Chairman for Dr. Ben Carson. General Bays is president of the National Center for Health, Healthy Veterans with the mission of returning healthy veterans to America. He speaks at numerous seminars and conferences, as well as commentary on national security, leadership, and resilience in a wide array of media, military, business, and church venues. He was featured as one of the 30 master leaders in America by noted author George Barnum and was awarded the Council for National Policy George Washington Military Leadership Award in 2018. General Dees and his wife has been married for 48 years, have two children, eight grandchildren, and they are grateful for the privilege of serving God, nation, and others during these critical times. Thank you for General Dees for joining us today. I appreciate you being here. Mike, it's great to be with you. You bet. It's great to be with you. And uh, please call me Bob. I don't answer to General very often. And uh, <laughs> on that intro, uh, I thought I thought you were going to get an F on it, but then you mentioned the, the children and the grandchildren. So we're okay, brother. Brother. I <laughs> know uh, we cannot forget those children and grandchildren. They they are the apple of our eyes. Yeah, that's that's exactly down right. I've got I got two kids and two grandchildren myself, and they are the uh, they are you. Uh, definitely some some. Some uh, great. great times I have with them. 
before we really get into this, Bob, I got a couple questions, you know, I always ask you, but I do want to thank you for your service and, uh, and how much I appreciate your service to your country. And of course, your wife, even though you were the one that was in the military and deployed, your wife is part of the service, too. And um, the sacrifices you made over those 31 years, that's a long time to be in a uniform and uh, serving and protecting this great land and training the young men that followed behind you. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Amen. And, and you, you've got it right with the wives and families. So thanks for honoring them appropriately. Yeah. Well, I always start uh, with two questions I like to ask all my guests. And uh, the first question is, what is your favorite verse or a life verse or maybe a verse that you just got to hang your hat on and, and, and maybe uh, uh, that you look to uh, on regularly uh, as, you, as you continue to grow in Christ? Yeah, well, uh, that's that's a harder question than it seems because uh, God's word is so rich and uh, mm -hmm. uh, meaningful in different ways at different times. I guess one that uh, is really comes to mind today uh, because of uh, recent sermons I've uh, heard and because of uh, uh, lifelong emphasis is that seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things uh, will be added unto you. Uh, you know, it's so easy to get diverted these days on uh, you know, stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we got it says, have no other God before you. And, and it's real easy to make idols out of, uh, you know, the TV set or uh, uh, hobbies or idols out of physical fitness or idols out of different things. But it says, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. And, and isn't it great to know that we're only righteous, not on our own, been uh, out of our own good, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. So I guess that's mm. why that that particular verse means a lot to me, Mike. Oh, sir. So, so, yeah, uh, that's a great verse to, to hang your hat on. There's no doubt about that. Well, I need to ask you. Um, so our viewing audience can learn a little bit more about uh, you and who you are and your experiences. But uh, how did you come to Christ? When did you come to Christ? I, I listened to uh, one of your favorite, uh, one of your veterans this past weekend. Uh, I don't know if you know uh, Captain Tom Choice, but um, uh, I was with him this past, sure. past weekend, and yeah. he was sharing about he was sharing about how he came to Christ at the Naval Academy. I mean, you don't typically think about that kind of stuff happening there, but it does. And I was just wondering what your story is. <laughs> when did you come to Christ? Well, it's funny. Uh, West Point, the military academy, is pretty prominent in the things uh, in my life story as well. But first, you know, I came to Christ initially through a loving mother and grandmother that were very faithful, mm -hmm. took me to church, uh, taught me at their, at, at their knee, so to speak. And then at age 11, I gave my life to Christ. But as a teen, I wondered. Uh, Jesus wasn't really Lord of my life. And then uh, I went to that small industrial school on the Hudson River called West Point. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, they had the audacity. They took away my hair. They took away my Pontiac. Uh, they called me a plebe. And I was the lowest of the low, the scum of the earth. And frankly, uh, I recognized if I dug down real deep, uh, I might come up empty-handed, and that was a teachable moment that God used to to bring me fully to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and then at the same time, God provided a mentor, a spiritual mentor, who was a math instructor that had gone to my high school in Houston, Texas, 10 years prior to my attending, and uh, it was a, a powerful four years of him 
putting me through spiritual boot camp at the same time I was going wow. through all the other rigors at West Point. That's so no one could have, yeah, no one could have given me a greater gift uh, than uh, spiritual foundations. Uh, and then uh, his wife also uh, wrapped her arms around my girlfriend. Now, as you noted, my wife of 48 years. Uh, so mm. they they loved us both. We're still in communication with them today. Our children are named after them. So uh, that's uh, how it started for, for both me and my wife uh, uh, through the good graces of people that loved us, wrapped arms around us, and taught us in the faith. That's super. Well, let me ask you this. I wasn't planning on asking this, but hearing your testimony a little bit, I, I've got to ask this, God. Sure. Uh, hearing Tom's testimony this past week and now yours, uh, both being from the respective academies, we typically think of the academies being uh, academies that train our men and women to be leaders in our military armed forces and in, in, in specific areas. But I'm hearing more and more stories of, of spiritual renewals and spiritual growth coming out of, of our men and women coming out of academies too. Do you, have you see a lot of that? Is there a lot of that going on in our academies? There's a lot that goes on, but it's a constant spiritual warfare. You know, our, yeah. our academies are a microcosm of our society at large. And so you have all the craziness, all the secular humanism and so forth, all the uh, fierce independence uh, for individuals versus depending upon anything higher than themselves. So mm -hmm. you have all that. But but I think, you know, I use the expression threat clears a man's head. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, when when you sort of sense threat and you're at a teachable moment in your life for various reasons, I think it clarifies uh, and it forces you to to choose. It forces you to commit to go one direction or the other and so in that clarification it it oftentimes drives people to their knees and to the lord and it can be an incredibly rich time of spiritual growth uh in in that environment so you know i i really uh i really think that that's uh that's part of the reason behind the the spiritual fervency at west point Although, you know, I would say we shouldn't exaggerate it. It's not in the majority. It's certainly mm -hmm. a, a minority, but it's a fervent minority of, of real great outreach at the service academies. Well, that's great. That's, that, that's super. And, and we definitely want to keep those men and women in our prayers, not only for through, as they go through their training, but also through their spiritual spiritual endeavors also. Thank you for sharing Amen. that. Amen. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. You bet. Well, let's talk, let's well let's talk about your ministry a little bit. Resilience, God's style. You know when I when I look at your website, I see that you have a mission statement there that says to communicate the relevant biblical truth to promote individual leader and national relevance. Excuse me, resilience and restoration. So how does resilient God style do that, and and why is it so important for us to be concerned with that right now? Right. Well. Uh Jesus said in John 16, 33, in the world, you will have tribulation. Uh, not maybe might, but you will. Mm -hmm. And that word for tribulation is a, a thrashing or a squeezing. In the Greek, it means squeezing the juice out of a grape or the oil out of an olive. In the, the, the Latin, tribulum is threshing grain and separating it from the, from the wheat. Uh, and all of that is an unpleasant process. And, and yet it results in growth and opportunity. And 
be wise to prepare for the storms of life, to navigate the storms of life, uh, as it says in the scripture, hiding under the shelter of God's wings until the destruction passes by. And then after the fact, bouncing back without getting stuck in all these toxic emotions of guilt, false guilt, anger, bitterness, and then recognizing that uh, hurricane season comes around again and again. And so we have to keep preparing uh, and getting better, wiser, stronger through adversity and ready for the next body slam of life. So that's the basic thesis on the individual level related to resilience. That's why we need it. That's sort of uh, some of the thesis about uh, how we approach resilient living. Uh, and then uh, from in the Resilience Trilogy, you know, it, it also went all the way to uh, the leader level and then finally to the national level. And the same process is true, is that how do we prepare? How do we uh, respond? And then how do we bounce back uh, and, and then get better, wiser, stronger, whether it's at the individual leader or national level and then the books the whole all the the resilient sky style information uh in and resilience trilogy capture that add texture and and uh, process add tips and techniques to that whole thing so that people can make it a reality in their lives rather than just theory well i know i read i read one of one of the resilience books and um uh, i believe it was the uh, uh the first of the trilogy, which I believe is uh, right. Resilient Warriors, I believe. Yep. And uh, uh -huh. and you were talking a lot about bouncing back in that from, from events that may happen in your life. Let me ask you this. Can, in your understanding and in your experience, can an individual bounce back from an event on their own or do they, do they need to have somebody walking them through that situation? Yeah, I, I think it's very unusual, if not impossible, for a person to bounce back by themselves. You know, you may remember the in grade school or whatever, the poem by John Donne that says, no man is an island. Right. Uh, it's it's clearly relevant to men's groups and things that uh, we, we don't do things by ourselves. You, you may have heard the expression, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Right. And uh, so there's this whole notion of... Uh, fellowship uh, and kinship of other people that allows you to navigate the storms. I call these people 911 friends and 911 friends are not your Facebook friends or your LinkedIn connections. 911 friends are the people uh, that will be hugging you about 15 seconds after you have a body slam or, or vice versa. You, you might be consoling them. And uh, it's uh, 911 friends are people that you trust you're willing to die for essentially. And uh, you can maybe number those on one or both hands at the most. Mm. Uh, don't, we're not talking about a lot, but we're talking about deep enduring friendships that stand not just the test of time, but the test of trauma. Uh, so yes, that's critical. And then there's other factors in the bounce back equation. I call them actions on contact. Uh, that are your reflexes, your spiritual reflexes, so that when trauma happens, you are best prepared to, to respond in, in a God-honoring way and in a way that allows you to eventually bounce back without getting stuck in all those toxic emotions. 
Well, good. Well, you know, I, I can't help but think uh, of a verse I, I use a lot of times when I'm talking to men about the need to have another man in your lives. It comes from uh, Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, which talks right. about two, two are better than one because they bring a greater reward and labor. And if one falls down, there's another there to lift him up and pity the man who does not have somebody else to lift him up. So even in scriptural basis, we see the need for men to have other men in their lives who, who are there for them at any time. So, yeah, I couldn't so, agree more, Mike. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so important. And you're right. I believe that uh, most men, even in our lifetimes, we only have probably we can count them on one hand, depending on how long you live, of real close friends that you could just really depend on at any given time of the day or given instant that may be going on in your life. So it's, right. it's, it's important. I know I've had those individuals in my life. Your resilient God Styles, you have a series of books. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, there's a one, wonderful pastor, uh, Dick Foth, that wrote a book called When the Giant Lies Down. And one of the quotes that I remember from his book, it talks a lot about friendship and things. Uh, and the quote is mm -hmm. that the most meaningful aspect of life is to know and to be known by at least one other person. And so we, we just have an innate need to know and to be known. And, and that happens in very authentic ways within groups of men. Mm. Well, you have a series of books called The Resilience God Style Two Study Books and so forth. Are these books that uh, individuals can go through, or do they need to go through them um, as, a, as a group of men? Sure. No, uh, you can go through them by yourself. I mean, I, I applaud men going, going through it together or couples going through them together. But uh, uh, it, it, the book is uh, useful. It provides content. I think the thing that really completes it, though, is the study guide, because as it says in James 1, it talks about don't just be a hearer of the word, but be also a doer. And the study guide is what allows men to truly apply the principles and personalize them for their own life. Who are your 911 friends? What is your calling? Uh, what, are, is your, what does your resilience playlist look like? The movies, the songs? the books that light your fire, not somebody else's. Well, that personalization process is so important to actually living resiliently in the nitty gritty of life. Hmm. So that's good. How long does it take you to go through one of those books if you were doing it, uh, working through it? Is it like well, a six you, week study or? Yeah, you, um, the, the study that I've put together is 10 weeks. And I pulled okay. together a video series called Resilience God Style video series. And not only does it have the teaching of each one of the chapters of content from me, but it has profiles in resilience where I selected about a dozen people that I, I knew their personal stories. They're all from different areas. One, a, an unemployed businessman, another one, uh, a gentleman whose son killed himself at college graduation. Uh, oh, wow. Another one who was shot down in a helicopter 11,000 feet in Afghanistan and immediately was in hand-to-hand -hand combat. You know, and uh, diff uh, different uh, individuals, men and women, uh, so that if you listen to this video series, you'll be able to identify uh, and uh, 
learn from uh, the way they learned and also be inspired by their example. So that's the 10 week video mm -hmm. series. And then we also, Mike, have developed a resilience training game. And uh, that's a lot of fun. I think uh, it's an important, it's important to translate life skills about resilience from cradle to grave. We can't be teaching our children too soon about how to respond to adversity in their lives. And I can address that in greater detail if you would like, but uh, it's a critical life skill to be taught early in life. Well, take a little bit and talk about that. Why is it so important to be trained early in life or, uh, on this concept? Well, well, Mike, that's a good question. Um, you know, growing resilient children is, a, I think, a key parenting task. Um, and the reality is that, uh, at, uh, you know, the, the scriptures say, uh, he who is faithful in much will also be faithful in, 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 he is faithful in little will also be faithful in much. And as a result, uh, we need to teach our children to be faithful, to learn how to grow through adversity at the youngest of age, maybe a skinned knee or a disappointment or hurt feelings. If we can teach them how to navigate adversity and have the right reflexes, the right responses, it is a critical life skill that will hold, hold them in good stead the rest of their lives. Uh, with my grandchildren, I, I've had a great time uh, at a very young age uh, teaching them resilience object lessons. Uh, for example, uh, you know, one time I took all the, the grandkids, uh, five at the time, and I, I convinced them that if you throw an egg hard enough, it'll bounce back at you. And so the grandsons were all in. They were getting ready to throw it really hard and get it to bounce, you know. The granddaughters looked at me and say, like, D-Dad, I don't know. I don't think this is going to work. And so I say, OK, throw your eggs. They all smash their eggs and they're just like scrambled eggs on the ground. Uh, and then I say, OK, there's a tennis ball out in the yard with your name on it. Go go grab it. So they come running back with a tennis ball in their hand. And then the simple question, would you rather be a tennis ball or an egg? You know, uh, and they they will they'll say, oh, we want to be a tennis ball. And I'll say, OK, well, let's talk more about it. And we do that over a series of days and, and things uh, together. Uh, one of the objects lessons we go through is the lemon eating contest. I'll, I'll challenge them to eat a lemon, uh, a small <laughs> slice. And they have all these, uh, their faces, you know, oh, that's terrible. And how, how would you like to have that in your mouth for a day? Oh, a week. Oh, uh, and, and it gets to the point of bitterness. And, mm -hmm. and how do we achieve a position of forgiveness and gratitude instead of bitterness? How do we loosen our grip on all that? And that's such a critical life skill in itself. And it's something we must train our young children to, to understand. You know, the 10 most powerful words in the English language, uh, I was wrong, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, our children need to understand that process reflexively uh, so that when they get older, when they get into high school or when they get into college, they don't have to go to a safe space and pet puppies uh, to be consoled. Uh, they have the resilience uh, within themselves to be able to uh, suffer disappointment, to go through a body slam and not be totally crushed like the egg, but they can bounce like the tennis ball. Yeah. That's a, an objective. This resilience is really a critical life skill to be trained from cradle to grave. Yeah, amen. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, that's very important. And one of the things that I'm seeing as I travel around and talk to men is so many of our men don't have those father figures in their lives that can speak into their lives that way. Uh, we got a lot of fatherless children and, and uh, 
in our in our culture today. It's so so true. Yeah. Well, I want yeah, to move. So right. Yeah, I want us to move in somewhere else because being being a veteran uh, yourself of thirty one years, uh, you've seen a lot of of, of men and women uh, coming back home from being being in service and being deployed and and uh, and a lot of them are needing care these days and. And I, 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 I hear you talk and seeing your stuff. There's no doubt that you you have a tremendous, and of course, with your with your own uh, experience, has a, a genuine passion for the care of our veterans. And uh, um, I think you're involved in what they call what is called the National Center for Healthy Veterans. Is that correct? And mm-hmm. and, and, and and could you share a little bit about that? And and what can I, Mike Sandlin? What can Mike Salen do to help out our veterans uh, that's going through uh, physical and mental uh, situations in their lives right now? Yeah, you bet, Mike. Well, well, thanks for teeing that up. Uh, yes, National Center for Healthy Veterans. Uh, let me tell you a little bit first how I got into this. Uh, I had gone through my airborne training, ranger training, you know, graduated from West Point. I'm in my first unit, 101st Airborne. We're jumping out of airplanes. Life's good. I have 45 Screaming Eagle soldiers uh, under my uh, leadership. And uh, it's the night before Easter, March 1973. Mm-hmm. And I get a call, come to Sergeant Smitty's house trailer. And so I, I go to his house trailer and he had killed himself uh, in the back room uh, wow. with a shotgun. And, uh, you know, it's sort of, it was pretty tough medicine for a young lieutenant. And then even tougher was that after the first responders left, I was there with the young widow and her three-year-old daughter. Oh my And and I said, well, how can I help? And she said, well, we hit Easter eggs today. So would you come back in the morning and, and help gather Easter eggs with me and my daughter and let's give her a, you know, normal Easter uh, so I did that. It was profound for her, obviously, and for me. Uh, and then uh, 31 years uh, in the military, I'm retiring and all around the world, different commands and all that stuff. And the suicide rates for veteran and military were higher than in recorded history. Wow. So over my 31 years in uniform, the problem had only gotten worse and worse. The government had thrown millions and billions of dollars at it. And uh, frankly, I was a little indignant. And that was the birth of this vision for the National Center for Healthy Veterans. Mm -hmm. God uh, put a number of different breadcrumbs in place uh, after that, uh, you know, after my retirement. And and now uh, after uh, going through a number of different life experiences, uh, he's he's prepared me and prepared our team even more to, to pull this vision together. And we're doing that as we speak. Um, our purpose is to return healthy veterans to America. I maintain that our veterans are an untapped national treasure uh, oh, yeah. as, oh, yeah. as role models, as entrepreneurs, as businessmen, as educators. Uh, you know, who, who would not want a veteran uh, teaching their child history or whatever instead of some of the things that we see in our classrooms today? So yeah. veterans are an untapped national treasure, and I would maintain that America needs her veterans now more than ever before. Amen. Uh, so, so then the question is, okay, how do we help them? I've navigated the whole ecosystem of organizations that take care of veterans for decades and really my whole adult life. And uh, I recognize there's some important factors. One of them 
for first is uh, the faith factor. You know, the military during my 31 years in uniform and beyond has continued to comb out some of the rudiments of faith. Mm -hmm. And that has not been good for our military men and women uh, and uh, not good for our military overall. Uh, Faith is an important factor. Faith in the foxhole is a reality. I've seen it time and time again. The the troops in Baghdad that are getting ready to go on a dangerous mission aren't worried about being politically correct. They want to be God correct. They want to know God's their rock, their fortress, their deliverer, the strong tower to whom they Mm -hmm. can run. Mm -hmm. So uh, faith is an important factor. A community is an important factor. It's one of the key elements of uh, to prevent suicide, to defeat isolation. A purpose and dignified work are key factors in suicide prevention. And so as, as I look at all these different factors, we have pulled together what we consider uh, a holistic integration of best practices at the National Center for Healthy Veterans. We're on a wonderful platform, Valor Farm, 339 acres in Virginia, just a short distance away from Liberty University. Uh, we have uh, in this farm ranch operation, we have plenty of dignified work. We had veterans and volunteers over the weekend that replaced uh, 150 yards of board fence on one of our horse pastures. Others who were painting tiny homes that veterans are getting ready to live in. Uh, others who were doing uh, working with the horses in the barn. You, you pull all this together and it's a community of intentionality, uh, wellness, purpose. We say National Center for Healthy Veterans and that comes out of the great commandment which says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and your neighbor as yourself. If you strip out the elements of that, we, we equate that to physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, and relational wellness out of the great commandment. And our research, our programs, our mentoring are all driven by that grid, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, relational. So I, I won't wind out further, but uh, you ask how might you help? I think... Uh, All of America, you know, needs to understand uh, it's important to say thank you for your service. But but what do we do next? Mm -hmm. And uh, the the next is, uh, first of all, it's wrap your arms around somebody and love them just the way you would love anyone else. Uh, Veterans need to know that you're you're not flash in the pan. You're there for the long term. Veterans, because of their life experiences, may have a tougher time trusting And so you have to become trustworthy in their lives by continuity of care, continuity of concern. Uh, And then also, uh, instead of treating them as a patient, treat them as a friend, treat them as a fellow uh, associate who can be a productive member of society and who can be a, a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ and who can truly contribute uh, and whose, uh, whose uh, talents and uh, character that you admire. So it's, it's just about building a relationship with them in important ways. Now there's, you know, more things you can learn. And part of our mission at National Center for Healthy Veterans is training churches, campuses, communities, corporations to uh, better take care of the veterans in their midst. Uh, I call it the woodwork of America. Uh, we need to we need to link arms together, get smarter, wiser about how to take care of veterans. And then we just need to move out and draw fire and do it. 
Yeah, that's good. I know a lot of people that are concerned for our veterans, but they really don't know what they can do or how they right. can do it, you know, outside of being in you know, medical professions, professionals of some form, but just the, the average Joe on the street, so to speak, how, how can, what can I do for him? You know, because they, they have given up so much uh, for our country, uh, for their families, and, um, and, and just the, the fact that we, need, we do need to love up on them. And some of us are right. looking for that way to do that, other than to just do what I did to you at the beginning of the program to say thank you for your service. That's important, but a lot of us of want to do more than that. Right, right. That's that. a beginning, not an end. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, totally agree. Well, I'm going to say General D's. I know you told me to call you Bob, but I'm going to move something <laughs> here that I know that you are very, very well versed in, and that is um, what makes a good leader. You know, one of the things that uh, uh, when I was in the workforce, I worked in the nuclear industry for many years. And and as a leader in the nuclear industry of a workforce, I, they would send me to a lot of leadership training schools and team building exercises and all that kind of stuff. And uh, probably all of us of some sorts of any kind of leaders have been through that kind of stuff, those courses and the and the activity is to build team building. But what really makes a good leader? Yeah, well, good question. Um, I think uh, Psalm seventy-eight, seventy-two is pretty uh, is a pretty good definition. It says David shepherded them according to the skill of his hands and the integrity of his heart. Mm -hmm. So I would say uh, what I call resilient leadership uh, is. Uh, uh, is selfless service over time from a platform of character, integrity of his heart, and competence, skill of his hands. Mm -hmm. And I, I wrote about this in the book, Resilient Leaders. And uh, I spent some time writing chapters on what I consider to be the key character traits of a leader. Uh, and then I spent some time writing about the key competencies of a leader. And I use the same paradigm before, during, after. What does a leader do before to set the conditions for success in an organization? What do they do in extremis when the leader, when the organization is in crisis? How do they lead in extremis? And then after the fact, how do they, how do they help an organization regain vital optimism uh, after they've had a, a, a setback of whatever form that takes? Uh, and then uh, again, I say good outfits talk to themselves. So how do you get better, wiser, stronger? How does a unit uh, introspectively talk to themselves so you get better and grow over time? Now, I, I wrote uh, the key elements of that book about character and about competence. And then something was just missing. I, you know, it's sort of like, OK, what is it, Lord? And then it was uh, like a Holy Spirit moment. And it was OK. What's the bridge between character and competence? The bridge between character and competence is wisdom. The wisdom of the leader that translates your deeply held core values, translates what you know to be important theoretically and practically into the nitty gritty of life uh, so that you can competently apply those principles uh, to good effect for those that you lead and for the mission that you serve. Uh, so that's uh, what I how I would address leadership uh, from a you know a, a biblical perspective, Mike. 
Well, that's, that's that's good stuff, and I appreciate it. You know, I couldn't help but think a little bit. I was remembering back on the movie Courageous that you probably have seen many times yourself. That was out about 10 years ago. In fact, they were re-releasing it here towards the end of September uh, for uh-huh. the 10-year anniversary. And uh, there was a statement that one of the main characters made in there, his his his, his um, um, partner in the sheriff's department, looked at him and said, you're, you're a good father. And, and the guy said, I don't want to be a, just a good enough father. You know, he was wanting to be more to that. So what is that one thing that you would, you would say that would help a man stand out to be that spiritual leader that he probably needs to be even in his home? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good question. It's a hard question because uh, we're all different and there might be one different thing for all of us. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but uh, the, the, the thing that comes to mind, Mike, for me, just off the top is this subject of perseverance. Uh, you know, the scriptures talk a lot about persevering. And I think as a father, we need to persevere uh, to be a great father. You know, good fathers, maybe you're good in the short run, but uh, sometimes the relationships go south Sometimes the teens become wayward or they become distant from their parents uh, or sometimes something happens and uh, there's a, a failure and, uh, you know, there's got to be reconciliation. Uh, the great father is one that perseveres through all those conditions and, and still points uh, his son or daughter towards uh, Christ by modeling God honoring behavior uh, and when I think about the word perseverance, it's interesting. You look in the scriptures, persevere uh, in the Greek is proskoterio, meaning mm-hmm. moving towards strength. Mm-hmm. And so I think as we parent our children, we need to recognize we, we want to move ourselves and move them towards strength. Um, and it's real easy to look at failure or disappointment and, uh, you know, it's a downer. But we really need to move towards strength. In, in ranger school, they teach you a technique where you have an imaginary rope in front of you and you move, you put your hands on that rope and sort of pull yourself forward. Well, the good news for fathers and for children is that at the end of that rope is uh, Jesus Christ himself. And so as we pull on that rope, as we pull towards strength, we're really pulling towards the strength of Jesus uh, and the, the strength that we get, not through ourselves, but through him uh, and the anchor of our soul. Uh, so I know that I've wandered a little bit on this, Mike, but I think this notion of perseverance as a father is overlooked. Uh, we, we talk about other jazzy traits or other qualities, but we just need to hang in there. You know, uh, the way I would define courage is, is holding on 10 seconds longer. And so as a father with particularly a prodigal, uh, we need to hold on 10 seconds longer and then another 10 seconds or another disappointment and, a, and another time of risking ourselves as a father and relationally that may be uh, dashed, but doing it again and again over time is, is the way to be God honoring uh, as, as God has held his arms around the nation of Israel, held his arms around each one of us despite our many failings. Mm. 
Yeah. Does that make any sense, Mike, to you? Oh, yes, it does. And and it really does. And, and I appreciate you sharing that. It, it, it uh, helps us out in a lot of ways. So sometimes as dads, we, uh, we get a little frustrated with things, but we just need to you know, persevere and, and continue going. It makes a lot of sense to me. It really does. Right. I appreciate you sharing that. We're, yeah. uh, Bob, we're coming up on our time a little bit, and, uh, and, and I want to tell our viewing uh, listening audience, I should say, uh, uh, how to reach out to you and how to contact you. And I know I have one, one website here that we're talking about is www.com resilience god style which is spelling out the words resilience then god then style.com and then there's another one that you uh uh you have that you shared with me is the one for www.healthyveterans.org um and and being able to reach out to you and your team on either one of those and i i uh, think both of them are great stuff that they need to and that's healthyveterans.org or resilience god style dot com as uh, as you reach out to and if you want to email bob you can reach out to him by uh, going to contact at resiliencegodstyle.com that's contact c-o-n-t-a-c-t at resiliencegodstyle.com and bob i want to give you just a couple of minutes if you want to just to kind of wrap up what we were talking about today and any final thoughts that you may have about being resilient in your life and uh, and and being the uh, the man that we we need to be for for our, for our Lord. Yeah, Amen, Mike. Well, I I think probably uppermost in everybody's mind, these have been tough times. This has been a tough year, you know, with COVID. Uh, frankly, with Afghanistan, with some things going on in our country, uh, we could easily be discouraged. But uh, you know, we're we're challenged by the Lord Himself to keep fighting the good fight. And to, uh, you know, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So I would encourage the men, first of all, to uh, keep fighting that good fight. Keep holding on 10 seconds longer. Uh, keep uh, allowing, uh, you know, keep seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all those things shall be added unto you. In terms of resilience, I encourage the men to invest in resilience. You know, a key part of the whole process is before. What, what do we do before to get ready for the storms of life and to help others that we lead to include our families get ready for the storms of life? That's all about learning about resilience, training resilience, developing our resilience reflexes. Uh, and I would encourage people to learn more about that because it's incredibly relevant in these times in which we live. Uh, I would also encourage men, you know, it, it, the men of Issachar, it says they understood the times and they knew the direction Israel should go. Uh, so we live in complex times, and I encourage uh, every one of us to try to understand uh, in the spiritual sense what's going on in our world today. And then to live God-honoring lives, as difficult as that may be, there may be persecution on the horizon. We don't know what the next months or years will bring, but uh, let's understand the times and then let's have clarity through the word of God and through the fellowship of other believers about uh, the, the way uh, our America should go and the way we should go in each one of our individual lives. So there's a few challenges in there. Uh, one, uh, invest in resilience. Two, understand the times. Uh, and three, uh, seek first his kingdom. In other words, prioritizing 
our walk with God over every other thing that could be an idol in our lives. With Amen. that, Mike, it's it's a privilege to be with you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless the people listening to this. Um, and uh, it's a fun to be part of what you're doing, my friend. Oh, thank you. And I appreciate you being on the on the program today. It's been an honor to, to talk with you and spend some time with you. So uh, don't hesitate, folks, if you're listening to this, to, to reach out to uh, Bob at contact at resiliencegodstyle.com or go to one of the websites at resiliencegodstyle.com or healthyveterans.org and, uh, and get more information. If you want to know more about uh, what we do here with KFIR Men, uh, just reach out to us at kfearmen.net or you can email me directly at mike.sadlin at kfearmen.net and we would be glad to. And be sure to check out my new book, The Call, A Journey into Men's Ministry, which you can reach out to on amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com and leave a review when you do that. It would be greatly appreciated. But as a gentleman used to say to me all the time after uh, we spend time together, my mentor, he would always say, I pray that God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shake you by. God bless you, and we'll see you next time on Intentional Conversations. Mm-hmm.